We're talking about listening today, and we're, we're using this interesting book this month uh, from Ram Das called How Can I Help? And you might be wondering, well, all right, how does a, you know, there's like two chapters in here on listening, and you might be thinking, well, why is listening such an issue, or why is the practice of listening so important when we're talking about service and helping people? You know, why, why the emphasis, really, a lot, like several hundred pages on listening, and we're going to be talking about that today, but I thought we might start with a little levity around listening first, so I did manage to find a little bit of a joke. Two psychologists meet at their 20th college reunion. One of them looks like he just graduated, while the other psychologist looks, frankly, old, worried, and so very tired. The older-looking one asks the other, aren't we the same age? You look great, but i got to find out what your secret is. Honestly, listening to other people's problems every day, all day long, day in and day out, for years on end, has simply turned me into an old man. The younger-looking psychologist smiles shyly and says, well, you know, I did have to give up the listening part. (laughs) Uh, Several of you, I, I think, maybe have experienced when you're going to someone for help or really just even to a supportive ear, and what do you get? You really have the sense that maybe your friend or, or your relation isn't listening at all. Have we all had that experience before when we just really feel we need to share something or something really important is weighing in our heart and we realize about halfway through, she's glancing at her watch. Or, uh, <laughs> or you notice that the, um, that the polite nods and mmms aren't quite timed right to what you're saying. <laughs> and you realize all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm kind of not really being heard. And I guess that is the first facet, if you will, of why listening, really listening to people who have a need, who are asking for help, why it's so important. Most of us, perhaps all of us, need to be heard. And the mere fact that someone intelligently, completely releases their time on the planet for a moment and focuses entirely on you and what's going on for you, right there you have been a help. Right there. If, if you did nothing else on the planet but really let someone know that their opinion matters, that they have been heard, that you have quieted your own mind and put your own ego aside for long enough to just recognize the truth of someone else, to really listen to them. I got to tell you, that may be all the help in some cases that's even required. Have you noticed someone that really you've, they've kind of poured their heart out and you're thinking the request for some kind of help is going to come and much to your surprise, they're like, thanks, <laughs> you know, I feel so much better, I'm out of here. All that was required was the listening, but it has to be done at a really heartfelt level. It can't be that, well, yeah, I've got five minutes here. We'll work you in, right? And sometimes, if you're the listener, you, might not even, you may even need to arrange that because sometimes the, the need and the ability to give don't always go together just like this. So, so please feel free. If someone is ready to pour their heart out and you're totally not ready to receive, 
it's appropriate to say, oh my gosh, this is really important that I support you in this way. And what I know is I'm waiting for the phone call. You know, I have a client in five minutes, whatever it is. Can we talk tonight? Can we set a time when truly I can honor you with undivided listening? It's okay to do that. Really, you're doing the best thing by not, you know, trying to listen and, you know, wait for the text message, you know? So, so do the right thing there. But, you know, listening goes beyond that as well. Because not only does listening letting someone know that they've heard, it really is important when you're going to figure out how to help someone. You know, it was a few years ago, we, we first did... Uh, Um, In fact, I think maybe three or four years ago, we first tried as a community to support one another when people were coming out of hospitals and and kind of having needs for, you know, whether it was, you know, house cleaning or a ride to the doctor's office or setting up, um, you know, some help with meals and things like that. And I remember we had a a fellow who said he needed really some help with meals. He was um, coming out of the hospital with um, um, uh, chemotherapy and very weak and and was afraid that he probably wouldn't be able to prepare all of his meals. And so the, the little team that was put together and I was on it, the place that our minds first went was, well, okay, we'll all make a meal and kind of freeze them up and They'll be in his freezer, and, and he's certainly well enough that he can get up and put things in the microwave and heat them up. And that went on for like half of a week. <laughs> and I got a call from him, and he said, you know, I guess I wasn't plain enough. You know, part of my, what I want to do in terms of taking care of my body is I really want to be a little specific on what I'm eating, and also... Uh, did you not know that I really love to cook? And although I don't actually have much energy, one of the ways that I would spend that energy is my joy of cooking. And so really what would, be, what would have been better, and, and, you know, and God bless you for the meals that are still in my freezer, but would have been, would have been better is if someone would have been willing to take a grocery list down to New Seasons and, and, and help with the shopping part of it because I way don't have enough energy to do that. And what dawned on me at that time was, you know, we were what? We were meeting his nutritional needs, perhaps, and, and, and maybe not in some cases, but we were responding to the idea of food for him, right? But that was all we heard. That was all in that moment when we were doing that planning that we were able to really understand and listen for. And it didn't take much more listening to realize that what his real need was here was a little bit of shopping, and a little bit of you know cleaning vegetables and getting things ready so that when he felt like cooking, he could get up and do some cooking. This leads me to the idea, too, that sometimes not listening, when we're not listening, our help comes sideways. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean about sideways? It's like one person has a need and, and thinks that there's an expectation that people understand what it is and is going to be able to provide it. And then the other people, likewise, think they've heard the need and think they know how to provide it or going to. And then the two of them have a really miserable time together because they're coming at each other sideways because that perceived need was heard differently than it was spoken. That perceived need, the intentionality around it, was a little different than what it was. So when we don't actually listen, when we don't actively listen, first of all, we're apt to end up helping in a way that isn't needed or or, or won't be appreciated to the same degree. But it also 
sometimes the only person we're helping is, is us, my own feeling, my own need to help. And although that's, you know, that's good in a way, I mean, it's nice to feel useful, but of course, you really want the service that you're providing, the help that you're providing, to be useful, to be heartfelt, to be received in the way that you're intending it. So listening is important. One more example on this one, because I think it can come in all different kinds of forms. I remember uh, another uh, friend of the church here, in fact, she did our hospitality probably 15 years ago, and, and towards the end of her life, it was difficult for her to come to church, and several of her friends and members of the center had come together to put together plans really for pastoral care really at the end of life. And for Pat, um, there were so many odds and ends of things that were wrong with her physical body that, that this, you know, this was difficult. There were breathing machines and meals to be prepared and a lot of things that, that made it somewhat difficult. But I felt so good that we had done a nice job really of listening and understanding what she wanted and how she wanted to be treated and, and things like that. And then I got a call and I said, and she said, Larry, she said, this is going to sound really strange because I feel so loved. I feel so blessed. I have my meals taken care of and rides to the doctor taken care of. And, and uh, you know, someone, you know, God bless them, came over and vacuumed yesterday. And, and you know, I feel so loved. And I want to go to the beach. She said, you know, uh, she said, this may sound maudlin, but what I really want almost more than anything on the planet is one last time to feel my toes in the sand in that frigid Oregon water rush up, you know, and give me that, yeah, <laughs> that it does. She said, and I can't even hardly explain it, but that's what I really want. She said, I'm at peace about moving on and I, you know, I don't care so much whether my meals are nutritious and timely. I mean, all those things are important and, and they're being taken care of. But can we go to the beach? And I had to really think about this and some important listening had to occur here because my first thought is, oh, well, that's no problem. We'll just put you in the car and we'll drive down to Seaside and we'll do the little turnaround and you'll get to see the water and we'll be home. And so, yeah, I know, a lot of you are way smarter than I am, because <laughs> what I wasn't hearing is, I want to feel my feet in the sand again, I want to feel that rush, that cold, yikes, that you get when Oregon waves cross over your legs, and she wasn't going to be able to walk down to the beach, that was why in my head, I'm thinking the turnaround, she couldn't do stairs, to do two or three stairs for her, she'd like be out for a day. Do you know what I mean? Her, her lung capacity was that diminished. So what was wonderful is Pat and I entered into this dialogue of really listening and really speaking from the heart with each other. And you know what? We figured it out. We absolutely figured it out. We, we arranged to have a more portable breathing machine go with us. Um, I called the state of Oregon. Did you know that you can get a permit to drive on the beach for a handicapped person? Who knew? We figured it out. And the only person, in fact, that was a little uneasy with this was Pat's daughter, who was saying, my God, she can barely go to the bathroom. She can't go to the beach. <laughs> and so it took a little while, too, to reassure her family, no, this is going to be fine. We've actually figured this out. The important part of the really listening to what the needs were here, both for care, 
for being able to satisfy Pat's actual desire to be physically on the sand, you know, we'd really have done what is necessary to cover all the bases. And when we, when we told her daughter, she was like, well, okay then. You know what I mean? It was like planned out really well. Everyone was satisfied. Now, really listening, believe it or not, can also have a downside to it, can also have a little bit of an edge to it. And I want to talk about that for a second, too. Because when you really listen, you have to ask yourself, well, can I still help? Because when you have really done the job of purely listening, you'll know not only the service that's asked, but perhaps how, how it would be preferred to be pre- uh, done and in what time frames and really the whole nine yards. And you may be faced with saying, you know, actually I can't help. This is a, a series of requests that, that given my current capabilities, I can't honor them. And you may require a little bit of renegotiation like Pat and I did. Or you may even end up being a referral agency. Well, you know what? I can't take my car down on the beach because the tires will just go like that and we'll be there for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? So I can't satisfy that part of the request. But you know what? Between us, we're clever people. We can figure this out. So it may require a little bit of renegotiation. It may not be just the request as made and understood that gets executed. But what I do know is that God is a very clever thing. And the God, the higher wisdom self that is in any group of people, can figure it out. Can figure out something that is to the highest and the best of all people concerned. I absolutely believe that. Sometimes it might take more than the two people. It might take the, the whole family or the whole village or the, do you know what I mean? The whole, the whole community. But it can and will be figured out if we turn some of that over to the creativity of God itself. And so when we listen, we have to be prepared to ask all those questions. Can I still help? Can I provide the help really in the way that it's being asked? Can I provide it in the time frames and the means and or can I find someone else who can? Can I involve the community so that we can problem solve this out in a way that everyone wins? So that I think is listening, truly listening to understand someone else's needs, really listening, being able to perhaps paraphrase it back, being some of, the, some of the listening skills that will make sure that the message that is given is the message that's heard so that you're not coming at each other sideways. But you know what? The other, um, the other information in, in this set of, of, of reading this week, I think, is listening in a whole different way. And really, it's what Sharon talked about in her prayer today. And that is not listening outwardly, but listening inwardly. And uh, I was reviewing an old book of Ernest Holmes, and I ran across this quote that so sets up this idea of inward listening. And this is from uh, Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, in his book, The Power of an Idea. He said, it is from the mountaintop of spiritual communion that we receive the inspiration And we must keep that channel free and clear. We must provide a way for the ideas of spirit to flow into our minds and out into our work in the world. We must give our consent to listen. One part of the mind is already in heaven, for there is a place in you and in me that is above confusion, fear, no matter how disturbed our thoughts might be. And, and, if we get 
quiet long enough and listen deeply enough, we shall hear the truth. And so this new form of listening isn't so much what's going on on the outside. This new form of listening or this second form of listening is really listening to your own higher wisdom self. What kind of service can I provide? What is my gift to give? What is my high calling in this situation? Is it to provide a loving hand? Is it to to make a meal? Is it to do some grocery shopping? What is truly my gift that I honestly, unreservedly, trustingly, and lovingly can give, no strings attached, just from my own heart? The inward listening also provides you with that sense of really who you are. Can we help someone else ultimately and best if we're not even sure who we are, what our gifts are, what our abilities and strengths and weaknesses are? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting, I think, but oftentimes we kind of muddle our way through helping other people. And what I know is if we can help people from a place of security, from a place of confidence, from a place of courage, the help takes a whole different flavor, doesn't it? Than when we're really not sure what we're doing, when we're really not sure what our gift to give is. I think it's interesting that so often we help in those areas in our life where we too have perhaps stumbled or needed some help in the past. And doesn't that seem only natural? Because we have been there, we have taken those steps before, we have a knowledge of how to get through something, whether it's uh, um, helping a, as a sponsor in a 12-step program, whether it's uh, helping someone arrange to care for an invalid when you yourself perhaps have been cared in, the, in that way. There is something powerful and strong about knowing our own business, of knowing how we have been helped or we have helped others in the past, and we can build on that. But... Can we build on it if we're still in the process of it ourselves? I'm not so sure. One time when I was in the middle of a really nasty breakup, um, I went to see a friend of mine, and what I realized after I had poured my heart out for some time was that she and her, uh, her estimation of relationships was right about where I was, and although we had a good cry together, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm not sure that she understood relationship herself, that she had done the inward work well enough to be other than just a good listener. Now, a good listener is always a great thing, but when the help is provided, it's so wonderful when the helper has been through and seen the other side of the issue. If they're right in the middle of it with you, so often the help, it's difficult to receive. It's difficult to really see the strength in it. So this is the other thing that that inward form of listening can provide you. When you listen to the spirit that's within, you know that you have access to limitless wisdom. You know that the creativity of God can work through your imagination and through your intuition to solve any problem. When you are in tune with that co-creative power of God itself, you're not in it alone. It is the planet rising up 
to solve problems, to be creative, to meet every need. And so, from that place of assuredness, of knowing who you are, of listening intently to your own higher wisdom self, you participate in the wholeness and the vital energy of the entire planet. So I'd like to close today with, uh, first of all, just the tiniest bit of homework. Um, We haven't done homework in a while, and it occurred to me here that one of the keys to listening are some of the listening skills that go with it. And I just want to share one of them. You probably all heard this, and my homework this week is just to practice it a bit, and that is the idea of paraphrasing. The next time this week that someone asks you to do something for them or asks for help in some way, I would like you to draw them out a bit and then paraphrase what the request is right back to them. So if they say, um, um, well, I'd really like some help. Uh, You know, could you come over and maybe help me do some yard work? Well, first of all, that might not even be enough information. You could say, and what does that look like? You know, what, what, what do you imagine? You know, is it at 15 minutes with the lawnmower? Or are we planning a, do you know what I mean? Or is it four hours in the hot sun? And then after they've explained what they want, just paraphrase it back to you. So I understand that I'm going to come over on Saturday and I'm going to help you dig up your iris bed. And it'll probably take about an hour and a half. It gives them a chance to say, oh, Well, yeah, but, you know, to add to it or change it, right? The whole idea of paraphrasing is instead of helping sideways, you're really going to understand that the request and the help to be given are coming right at each other so that you're really going to be successful. Or you're going to renegotiate. Well, I can come over, but only for an hour. I've really only got an hour, and and we'll, we'll do what we can. So that's, uh, that's your homework for this week. The next time that someone asks for a helping hand or a help, I would like you to play back for them really what the request is and, and how you're going to help them so that you know you're on equal footing. And now I'll close with just a, a lovely quote from Ram Dass's book here on help. He says, As we learn to listen with a quiet mind, there is so much that we can hear. Inside ourselves, we can begin to hear that still, small voice within, as Quakers call it, that voice of our intuitive heart, which has so long been drowned out by the noisy, thinking mind. We can hear our skills and our needs. We can hear our subtle intentionalities and our limits, our innate generosity. And in other people, we hear what they really require, what license they are actually giving us to help, what potential there is for change in their lives. We can hear their strengths and their pain. We hear what support is available and what obstacles may be reckoned with. So let us pray. There is one power, one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life itself. And what I know is that life, that God, is always sufficient. In the larger scheme of things, there is nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing outside that sphere of perfection of the universe and of God itself. And I know this is true on that giant, that huge, that all-encompassing side of life. And you know what? I also claim it for myself right now. I know that in my life, right now, there is always enough to be sufficient in my life of food, of joy, of love, of peace, of, of whatever I need. There is a sufficiency of it for me. 
And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. And beyond that, beyond the knowledge of sufficiency, I know that each person here acts as both the helping hand to provide that sufficiency and the requestor, now and then called upon to ask the universe of its help. So that each person here participates in that cycle of giving and receiving most blessedly. Furthermore, for each person in this room, I know there's a willingness to really practice active listening skills so that we can become ever more in tune to the real needs and real desires of one another so that our efforts are, are absolutely successful and fruitful and so that our needs are truly always met in the mind of God. And so it is with great thanks that I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the mind itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here today. Thank you.